cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one cup Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Cup Summer Edition My name is Charlie Clawson And this series is my club uh, This week I'm chatting with Josh Earl. He's a comedian. He's the host of Don't You Know Who I Am Which is an awesome podcast that you should check out right now Well, finish listening to this episode Then go check out his podcast uh, He's a North Melbourne supporter and as you know, I am fascinated by North Melbourne. Well, fascinated by a player at North Melbourne, Ben Cunnington. I wanted to know a bit more about the culture of North Melbourne. Where does that shin bonus spirit come from? We talk about a bunch of other things as well, including Wayne Carey and John Longmire. It's a really good chat. So ladies and gentlemen, here's Josh Earl. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, let me apologize in advance. Uh, people listening, they won't be able to see this, but... The room I'm in, it looks like the bank vault at the bottom of the Snowtown Bank. It, it uh, looks very much like a padded cell. I'm sorry yeah. to say, but it's it's very white. <laughs> well, you do a lot of podcasts every year, and so the padded cell thing, you, you'd understand, right? I understand. Yeah, editing, listening back to your own voice. Yeah, that's that's where I need to be. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about the kangaroos now. I must admit, it was hard to find uh, people to talk about the kangaroos, and I really. I started realizing the more I thought about it, I don't actually know that much about North Melbourne. Like on the yep. show, Will and I always joke about the shin bonus spirit, but I think that's about where it ends in terms of my deep understanding of North Melbourne. So I did a quick, this is my research for my show. I did a Great. five minute Wikipedia search and I was really surprised to learn that North Melbourne has only, and when I say only, this is St Kilda supporter saying only, but only four flags because yep. the impression I always had of North Melbourne because... I first became aware of them in the Wayne Carey era was that they were a powerhouse club. I understood yes. that membership was small, but I just had assumed that you guys had a, like Melbourne, like a long tradition of flags early on. And then, you know, your yeah. last great era was the sort of Carey era. Well, I think because we also did Friday Night Football in the 90s, right. and that was always so big, which it kind of tricked you with the amount of supporters that we actually had. So it's like, oh, yeah, the games are full. That's no, it's because people want to go and see a game of footy on a Friday night. So. Now that we no longer have the Friday Night Football, you, you're really seeing the true fans. But I, I, it's interesting you say that because, yes, you had Friday Night Football, but you also had one of the, the best teams yep. of the 90s, if not, you know, of the modern era. Like, I think about going to see, you know, St Kilda sort of, the, 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 the most memorable game I have against North Melbourne is the 97 prelim, where yep. you guys were sort of raging hot favourites coming off 96. And we beat you at the MCG on a Friday night and for the first time, I was ever going to see St Kilda in a grand final. But to me, that was like, you know, we beat Cobra Kai or, you know, yep. <laughs> we defeated the big villains. But then with deeper research, it's like, you're not those guys at all. No, it, it's so funny because, like, we always get said that we're the, we were the team of the 90s, which I, I like the fact that people say that. But if you look at the stats, it's pretty much, I would say, West Coast with a team of the 90s. Right. West Coast seemed to always be there from the very start. We kind of, you know, 93 was when Carey kind of broke through as a, a superstar. But it wasn't until 96 when we won the premiership and then again in 99. So it was only those two premierships that we won and we, we lost in 98, 
lost to you in 97, but that was it. And I still remember 94, the heartbreak of Geelong beating us, like Gary Ablett pretty much being held pretty well all day by Mick Martin. And then in the final, like, minute of the game, taking that mark, kicking the goal, and me just knowing at, at school with so many Geelong supporters, I was I was dead on Monday. I was like, just, yeah, dead man walking. I mean, it seems to be when you look at North Melbourne's premiership history, it's basically two dominant eras with two legendary coaches, two revolutionary yep. legendary coaches who managed to kind of assemble like just enough superstars, but then a bunch of really good sort of B-level players. Do you agree with that? It was like basically just you two great eras? Yeah, so I I was born in 81. So I missed the Malcolm Blight era, but I've watched enough of the, the AFL-made documentaries about it that really mm. it's that whole thing of like, you know, Ron Barassi coming on and Malcolm Blight and all those players who like just buying up people and trying to, you know, pretty much buy a premiership, which is what, especially back then, would have been just not what you do. Like mm. now it's a bit more player movement kind of stuff. But back then it was like, no, no, you played for your club and that's your club and you only play for the one one club. And so I don't know if at the time people thought it was a true premiership, that 77-79 one. <laughs> but the 96-99 one, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, sorry, I think I've said the wrong dates for those premierships. That's right. Uh, 75, 76. But yeah, the 96-99, like I was born 81, so – 13 at the start of like the Carey kind of uprise. And, and perfect age to get into footy. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're too young to go to the pub with your mates but too old to be doing other stuff. So it's like, all right, I'm going to be watching football on my weekends. And it was like – and the fall from grace for Carey has been heartbreaking for someone who as a kid really did idolise the guy. Like he was my favourite player. I met him once because Peter German – who was a great North Melbourne player, uh, coach, ended up coaching my hometown team, the Bernie Dockers. And so he would bring North Melbourne players down to run training drills and stuff like that. And Wayne Carey was the big one one year. And my dad was involved with the Bernie Dockers. So Wayne Carey came to my house and signed a jumper and a poster for me and just kind of oh, went you? off. I was uh, 14. So it was like just That's incredible. the coolest thing. And you'd tell kids at school, Wayne Carey came to my house. I'm like, no, he didn't. Yeah. Fuck yeah. off. Like, your dad got it signed at the club. But it was like, no, no, he came to the house. He knocked on the door. He didn't come in, just did it. And it was obviously Peter German knew I supported North Melbourne and there wasn't too many of us. So it was a pretty easy drive around. All right, there's three kids. You're going to make their day. So let's go to these three houses. And then we'll, <laughs> then we'll head down to the actual players uh, talk that he was doing. But, um, yeah, so that 96 one, especially, I was year 10 high school and it was like – Football at my school was everything. Everyone, like, everyone had a team. And I don't know if that's still the case. I've got two boys. They don't really follow. They're six and nine. So, they're, I don't know. They just have no interest in following football. But I remember just in our family, if it wasn't football, we'd have nothing to talk about with my parents and my brothers. That, that, that was it. And your family, were they all North Melbourne too? No, none of them. I was the only one. So, my dad was Carlton. My mum was Essendon. And so for the first like six years of my life, I was also Carlton because dad was like, that's oh, a you, real you know. Romeo and Juliet story, isn't it? Essendon I know. And Carlton. Yeah. Yeah. And all, <laughs> all of my mum's sides, Essendon, and they're my least favorite team still because of the amount of bullying I got from that side of the family. Because Essendon in the night as well, it's just all 
only in the last like 10 years have they been not that good, but for, for so long, so good. But I went to, like, when I was in like prep, no, grade one or something like that, a kid, Tony, Tony Shepherd is his name, was a Richmond supporter. And he was my best friend and he said, you should go for Richmond. And so I went home that night and said to dad, I go for Richmond now. And dad was like, no, you don't. I said, no, I go for Richmond. He goes, okay. And that night, Richmond played North Melbourne in like an Ansett Cup or whatever the thing was that like preseason. And mm. North Melbourne absolutely pumped them. And dad was like, that's your team. And I'm like, no, no, I go for the other ones, the other ones. He goes, well, you can, you can only change one time. And I was like, all right, I go for North Melbourne. And that was it. It just stuck from then on. I went for North Melbourne. Never changed. You know, it's funny. Believe it or not, you're not the first guest to have put forward you can only change once rule. Yeah. Like I didn't, I'm starting to realise because I changed once too when I was about the same age. I switched for, to Melbourne to the Demons for about a week and then went back to St Kilda. And my family, different to yours, they're all saints. And it's, I'm always surprised when I talk to someone who's in a family where everyone goes for a different team because I just don't yeah. understand. Like honestly... 90, 90% of the conversations I have with my brother had to do with the St Kilda Football Club. I'm not sure we'd even talk if yeah. there wasn't football to talk about. So my older brother goes to West Coast, which is even weirder to me. Like, because Tasmania has this real thing of like, you go for the Victorian teams. If you went for an interstate team, even though Tassie is interstate, it was a real, oh, that's a weird, what do you, what do you go for Adelaide for? Or what do you go for Brisbane? Like Brisbane's not because there was some few Fitzroy supporters who, who went, all right, we'll go for the Lions mm. still. But yeah, West Coast, Adelaide, Fremantle, Port, you're like, that's a, such a weird team to support. But yeah, there, there are some of them down there. My, my brother's one. And so Tassie, is, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the teams, the Melbourne teams are the closest alliances to Tassie because of like players who have played and stuff are the Hawks, yep. the Saints. And North Melbourne, is that right? They're no, the three teams. I, I'd probably say uh, Hawks, Saints, and maybe St Kilda because of uh, no, yeah, St Kilda and yes. Richmond, yeah. Oh, Richmond, of course. Because there's yeah. a, f- a few Richmond, ta- really great Tassie players who played for Richmond. I mean, I think because I always, Matthew I Richardson of, is the one that a lot of people talk about. But w- but was Hawthorne traditional? Because I felt like in the 2000s, St Kilda was playing home games in Tassie. And I always yeah. thought that was such a smart move because we have so many like St Kilda supporters down there and so many players from Tasmania have played for the Saints. And then just like short-sightedness, Grant Thomas, they said, no, we're out of Tasmania because we couldn't win a game. That was the problem. We had home yeah. games and we didn't win any of them. And then bloody Hawthorne swoop in. Like they don't have enough already and just take the state of Tasmania. And I'm like, God damn it. It's so far. I worked with a woman who was from Sydney and didn't follow football at all. And then when the Hawks won that first year, she was like, oh, congrats on your team winning. And I said, oh, my team. No, my team wasn't even in it. She goes, oh, I thought Tasmania won. I said, no, no, that's Hawthorne. Like they're just sponsored by Tasmania. And she just assumed they were Tasmania's team. Yeah. And it is – the fact that they won and then went straight down there to celebrate, it was like that's, they really did embrace, all right, this is our major sponsor. We're going to go down there. And I think it's so funny though because Tassie is really split between the north and the south. So people in Hobart were not really travelling up to Launceston to watch Hawthorne play. It was pretty much the north of the state. And so now north are trying to kind of make their footing in, in uh, Hobart. But the fact that... We play Fremantle or West Coast down there. You're not going to have the diehard Fremantle West Coast fans in Hobart, so they're not really going to go to the game. So it's yeah. it is interesting how it's not really working out for North Melbourne as much as it did for Hawthorne. Well, I mean, that's not just in regards to Tasmania, is it? Like you can no, say that's yeah. like describes the two clubs over history. I mean, I, I chatted to Emma Race a few weeks ago. 
um, who's a Hawthorne supporter. And just hearing her tell stories of what it's like being a supporter when on average she'll see a flag every three years. And it just seems like she could have been speaking another language. Yeah. I feel like maybe as a kangaroo supporter and a saint supporter, we maybe have a bit more of a common language. I know. I, I don't trust people who are my age who go for Hawthorne. Like, I understand if your whole family go for Hawthorne, but if you just chose it because they were always winning, I'm like, nah, get out of here. That's not a, re- yeah. you're not a real supporter. It's like and they always like, oh, you. like in, in the early 2000s, oh yeah, we weren't very good. It's like, oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, sorry. You still had Shane Crawford. You still had like one of the best players in the league playing for you. So when you were a kid, who was the first player that kind of, you know, caught your attention? You had the number on the back or you wore the badge? John Longmire was my favourite player growing up. Yeah. I loved John Longmire. And then I kind of changed to Brett Allison. Because, oh, Brett Allison. Because that yeah. one grab? Yeah. The one, the one mark is the, yeah. the, the big uh, the Brett Allison. And so, but uh, I, was, I was number 39 when I played football. And that was also right. John Longmire. So I was that thing of like, and I was 39 because my, my cousin who actually got, uh, almost got drafted the AFL, uh, he got drafted to play he got chosen to play for uh Fremantle like, as in right. the, but in when before they were in the league like okay he was yeah in there did his knee didn't make it but he was 39 and I got his old hand-me-downs and he was 39 because of Kappa and so <laughs> I'm not sure if this still happens but growing up when I was like you take a mark and everyone would yell Kappa you'd either yell Kappa or you'd yell Jesselenko and I'm not sure if Kappa was just a Tassie thing because I, I've not seen or heard anyone do it here in Melbourne? No, 100% we did. Kappa, oh, good. like, yeah. I mean, I think even moving to Sydney 20 years ago, I'm pretty sure when we we're doing kick to kick, it's, but then again, yeah. there's guys my age. But yeah. it is interesting, what do kids call out? Is it Liam Ryan? I mean, do you say, just say Ryan? Uh, yeah, like, I don't know what they no, say. Jeremy Howe, but it's amazing, isn't it? Jeremy Howe is inarguably a better mark and player than Warwick Kappa. Yeah. Yet Warwick Kappa will always be synonymous with taking a specky. Well, well, Howe's not a very good name to yell out as you're marking. Yeah. Kappa's got a bit of that, and like, which I, I think is the Jessalenko because you can repeat that famous call. But it's like yeah. there's something about Kappa. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I have heard stories from people who have uh, met Warwick Kappa that when they've had uh, when they've played kick to kick with Warwick, he even calls out Kappa when yeah, he flies for a mark. Of course he does. <laughs> But John Longmire, so he's, I love that kind of like a, um, a second forward or like a cr- sort of crash pack uh, tall forward. Like you got Wayne Carey, who's your Rolls Royce superstar, but then you yep. always need like your Sundance kid to your Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Do you think if Wayne Carey hadn't been in the team that John Longmire would have been a better player or do you think he found the perfect role? No, I think that's the perfect role for him. I mean, he still kicked, like he won the Coleman. Like, he yeah. was a, a great player. But I guess when you're taking, like, you've, you've got the second best defender on you instead of the, the yeah. best defender, it does free you up a lot. And I think yeah. even in his coaching style, the fact Sydney have two great forwards or had mm. to, like, I think he's even taken that into his coaching style. So, all right, we'll have the two options up forward. I just have always thought that, you know, the modern equivalent of him and, and Kerry was like Buddy and Roughhead. And then yeah. when Buddy left... Ruffy really stepped up and I just always have thought like I wonder if John Longmire like he's I understand he's well regarded he won a Coleman and stuff but you just can't help being Scotty Pippen when yeah. Michael Jordan's in your team you know yeah. what I mean yeah and unfortunately we had a lot of Luke Longleys uh. <laughs> so John Longmire is your favourite player of all time yep 
Is there a cult player? Is there someone who uh, maybe other people don't know about that you love? Look, I I love Ben Brown, although he is a cult, I think, for everyone in the league. Like, And I was very, mm. like, really disheartened when he wasn't kind of even looked at to be a part of our future in 2020. Like, it was like, almost like they just made a decision, no, we're not going to play that style. And because I, I met him and he was so nice and he's also from Tassie and it was that thing of like you're because I did this thing for the North Melbourne Football Club where I interviewed some of the players and the PR guy for North Melbourne was like all right I've got and it was like three guys Magic Door, McMillan, uh, Durant I think and it was like uh, Dumont and it was like oh you, you'll be fine with them they're great they're, they're yeah they're lots of fun you'll have fun with them and Ben Brown was the other one, and they're like, "Oh, you probably won't get anything out of him. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a weird cat, just so you know. Like he's he's nice, but you, know, you won't get much." And I found it so easy to talk to Ben Brown, and I realised, oh, because he's not like your typical footballer. He's got a philosophy degree. He's quite like <laughs> well, he I loves, love it. Yeah, he he's loves like Doctor Who. Crazy in Roadhouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got a degree he, in philosophy. He loves Doctor Who, and I'm like, oh yeah, around a football club, you're probably uh, not going to have too many people to talk about that with. Yeah. But then, then I talk like, to the other guys. I'm like, oh, you. It's like I was back teaching, and I was talking to the Year Twelve boys because they had all their inside jokes when the camera wasn't on, and then when the camera started rolling, they were kind of just looking at each other and giggling. And it's like, all right, this is. Oh, I've, I've really got to work to get something out of here. But Ben Brown, I was like, all right, we can just have an actual conversation about what's expected in the next year. I mean, I don't know anything about Ben Brown apart from what I've seen on TV and, and read in the paper. But even not knowing him, I would have guessed that. Yeah. Like, you know, my joke about Ben Brown was it always looked like he was in the cast of Godspell. You know? Yeah. Like I could imagine him, you know, driving a combi barefoot up yeah. to the shack where he makes like craft beer. Wearing some orange flares and a vest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with no shirt. Just yeah. like a denim vest covered in patches, rainbow patches, peace sign. No, he always struck me as a fairly kind of not typical AFL dude. And I, I was going to save this for the end, but let's talk about it now. So the exodus at the end of last year with the players, like just take me through that as a, as a North Melbourne supporter. Because even from the outside, it seemed brutal and a bit kind of insensitive. What was your take on it? Well, this is kind of the second time in the space of three, four years we've done that. So uh, the big one was at the end of 2016 going to 2017 with – Harvey and Petrie and Wells all leaving. And that was like, because those players were the real heart and soul of the club at that stage, especially like Boomer and Petrie were like two of the people who you're like, all right, very consistent, like just so reliable. And then the fact that they kind of almost like, they didn't get retired, but it was like, all right, you Especially Boomer. All right, time time to time to go. Even though I mean, in North Melbourne's defence, Boomer was seventy eight years old when finally they retired him. I always had as, as long as he was playing, I was happy because there was a player in the league older and shorter than me, and I was like, I, I can still make it. There could be one day they call me up. I don't know. But so the one this year, look, I I, I think one, I think they did it in a really bad way because they were in the bubble still or whatever they you know their equivalent of mm-hmm. the bubble. They had to walk out past all the families. I think it was quite like humiliating to be told that, oh, you're not going to be with the club. You're pretty much getting fired and then having to do like a walk of shame. 
yeah. in front of the client. And look, I mean, they 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 film that when they do Australian Idol when yeah, someone yeah. bombs an audition. <laughs> You've got to walk out past everyone. Like it's high yeah. drama. Yeah. So unless they're making a club documentary, uh, yeah. they, they they watch the last dance and went, "Oh, here we go. We've got this. Yeah. <laughs> the last place." And they, yeah. yeah. But it was that thing of, I didn't really watch that much football last year either. Like, even though there was not much else to do, I just couldn't couldn't get into it. And so it was a really up in the air year, and with a change and change of coach as well. And I understand change of coach; you want to start fresh with your blueprint, whatever it is. But it, it's it's really tough when you like two kind of rebuilds in the space of four years. Yeah. You're like almost, okay, what happened with the last one? Okay, why is this one going to be any different? Yeah. I mean, in, in some ways, look, I've just endured a 10-year rebuild that it wasn't a, as a noisy a calamity as your one. But yeah. we invested 10 years. Like we printed out like a – we made a prediction in 2014. We did the roadmap to 2018 where we predicted, you know, make finals in 2018 and win our first premiership by 2020. Yeah. <laughs> we invested all that time – just being mediocre. Like we didn't have like this calamitous fall down. So I don't actually, I look, it's not great. You don't want your club to be in that, but it's almost better that you have your shit years right next to each other. Yeah. So then you can really go, okay, we've identified the problem because the worst thing that would happen is that, you know, maybe Reshaw had a, an out of the box year and you kind of just finish up and you, you get a, the wrong idea about where you are. You don't recruit properly. You don't trade properly. Yeah. And then you have a terrible year and you're screwed for another five. Well, I think with both uh, Dean Laley and Brad Scott, what we had was that we couldn't bottom out because we're not a destination club. Mm. So people didn't want to choose North Melbourne as their club to want to go to, which, you know, Collingwood, Hawthorne, they have people going, I, I'm wanting to go and play there. Mm. And so for that 2000, like 2007, 2000, up to, like we made prelims in like, I can't remember, it was like not that long ago, but had no expectation it was almost like, oh, that's that's amazing that w- we did it and going in with no expectations. And so when you say it's nice to have the the things quite close together, you you haven't supported North Melbourne for as long as I have because I, I don't see that's the end of it. This is probably not right. us bottoming out just yet, even though we finished second last. There is still lower to go, <laughs> which is <laughs> – because North Melbourne – do do affect you in in your life because you're like you never get too happy with anything you don't you go well they could like in the just the last five years there's been so many games where we've lost by less than a goal when we should have won I remember a couple of years ago the, the game against Adelaide where they kicked three goals in the last two minutes it was like this is typical North Melbourne this is just yeah of course this happened why wouldn't it why wouldn't it happen to North Melbourne yeah. So, I hear yeah. that from every I, supporter, though, apart from Hawthorne and possibly West Coast. Yeah, but I, hear, I hear that from so many supporters, which is oh, it's so typically my team. To but like, especially when you talk to any of the Melbourne, the smaller Melbourne clubs, like uh, even Bulldog supporters, Melbourne, St Kilda, yeah. there is that kind of feeling that we're just doomed to, you know, always fail. But what does that say about us as people, Josh? <laughs> like, we're we're, we're realists. Say about us we understand. We, we understand that life is tough and you're not always going to win and it's how you, how you cope in those losses and it gives us resilience and it makes us better people. 
I don't know about that. Merrily Meadows uh, was talking about Fremantle and she was saying how, you know, in the first kind of quarter, she realised that Hawthorne were a much better team and Frio put up a little bit of a fight. But she left that game, that grand final, their first grand final ever going, oh, well, we did okay. And I was like, Merrily, (laughs) that's a loser talk, man. And I think that, like, I'm only saying that from the perspective of a loser because, you know, I've been to four losing grand finals and I've found a way to rationalise all of those with the same kind of loser talk. Yeah. Were you at the drawn grand final? I'm sure you've talked about this yes. in another podcast, but you were at the drawn one? Yes. Yes, I was. Was that, and that was a-, a worse feeling than the loss or was that? Yeah, I think, look, maybe it depends what side of the fence you're on because I, for St Kilda it was disappointing because we had all the momentum. If it yeah. wasn't for the bounce of that ball, we probably would have won. If you're a Collingwood supporter, you might be like, oh, we get a chance to reload. So... I just remember it was a very eerie kind of feeling walking out of the MCG. It was dead quiet. And then the week leading up to it, I just, like the players, it turned out, couldn't muster the enthusiasm yeah. for the next week. Like I was trying hard and I had a lot of like very supportive messages because I don't know about you, Josh, but I, I, I represent um, all of St Kilda to my friends and you probably represent yeah. Kangaroos. So whenever there's an issue or they're in the papers, or whatever, you'll get all the texts. Yep. So a, a lot of friends sending me well wishes <laughs> for the replay. But I don't know. I just kind of felt like – I always felt like 2009 was our one. That's where we should have beaten Geelong. If not for some terrible kicking, we should have won yeah. that. 2010 would have been a steal. The fact that they replayed it, I, I already felt like we were – we'd gotten lucky to get that close in the first place. Yeah, I feel bad for Nick Revolt because he, like, of all the players I've seen live, I think he is the best player I've ever seen actually play football live. Because I never got to see wow. Wayne Carey play live because I was in uh, Tasmania when he played – but yeah, Nick Revolt. Just seeing because what they don't see on like TV is all the to- all the running he's doing off ball. It's just incredible to yeah. watch. Yeah. Have you ever watched him do a warm up before a game? Like he would regularly run like four k before he even took to the field. Yeah. He would just be out on his own, just running the length of the field back and forth. It's like uh, just a freak athlete. Yeah. So your happiest memory, I imagine, was the '96 Premiership. Yes, 96. I don't remember the 99. I was 18. And two days before, I was working at a hardware store and I tore my sciatica trying to move these shelves that I thought I could move on my own. And I had to be carried into the doctors by my boss, like like the bodyguard, like <laughs> at the end of the bodyguard, <laughs> he carried me in. And they put Often me on... Like an officer and a gentleman. Yeah, they just yeah. just keep you up. But they put me on these painkillers and then I was 18, first year uni, living at a home, watching and my flatmate at the time was a Carlton supporter and so we were both like super excited. Our teams were in the grand final. But I don't remember any of the game. At halftime apparently I was lying in the middle of the road because I'd I'd had two pints of Guinness while I was watching the first quarter and that was it. I don't remember anything. And so I was just lying in the middle of the road, apparently trying to kick a football and they had to be carried <laughs> back inside again. And so had to wait until like, cause it wasn't even replay. It was replayed that night, but I was out of it. So I had to wait right. until it came on VHS to buy the VHS <laughs> to actually watch oh, the 99 shit, grand final. Of course. Yeah, right. Because you're right in that weird sort of like still analog period where you couldn't yep. just look up something immediately. No. So that so what was that like? I mean, forget the replay. What was it like anticipating when you could get the tape of the game? It was I read I read all the reports of the games and all that kind of stuff, but it was it was so weird 
what like watching it in like it was like November December when the tape came out and watching it not even football season like my flatmate he absolutely did not want to watch that tape again like he was like I'm fine I've I've watched this lose once I don't need to watch it again and so just also trying to find a time in the house going all right no one's here all right I'll put this on and watch it and knowing the outcome it was quite comforting but also it was like oh, oh this yeah. is without the high stakes that grand final is not a very good grand final it's it's it wasn't that great a game are you one of those people who if you know that north melbourne has lost like you've taped a game but you find out they've lost that you won't bother watching it or does you yeah. got any curiosity i i'm a terrible i my wife is always saying don't even watch it why are you watching it like i get so anxious about the games because no one else in my house cares about football so if I'm right. watching, I get very anxious and we'll turn it off for a bit, but then check the scores on my phone, <laughs> then go back to watching it again. So if I know we've lost, I, I won't, I don't need to watch it. I'm fine. I've seen us lose before. I don't need to watch it. If there's been a, I'll, I'll watch the highlights. Like, yeah, yeah. They're pretty quick on YouTube putting the highlights up. So yeah, I'll do yeah. that. But tell me, so I also am married to someone who has no interest in football. Like it's actually been, we've been together almost 20 years and I'd say the majority of that time... 30% of my energy is spent convincing my wife that this is a worthwhile pursuit, even though they've never delivered me anything but pain and disappointment. Yeah. But what was your um, explanation or how did you kind of uh, explain your passion for the, the kangaroos? It was so, so when my wife met my dad, the first thing he said is, all right, this is all, let's get to the important thing. What football team do you go for? And she was like, oh, I don't have a team. I guess the Eagles, I'm from Perth. And that he could not believe that, someone would not have a football team. And so me, because, you know, I, I met her after I did a theatre degree and, you know, uh, arting around Melbourne and would watch football, but it wasn't a big part of my life in my early 20s when I first really met her. Like, it, I would watch the games, but it wasn't like, it was almost like a secret that you can be in both worlds. And so then, you know, I, the first few years, like probably the first year, I'd watch it without it. And then it was like, oh, I'm not going out because I'm going to go to the footy. And she's like, oh. So she came a few times and then yeah. liked having, oh, there's lots of people here. This is fun. And then okay. she's like, oh, you're going again, are you? Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> right. It's, it's every second week we pretty much, yeah. But um, it was, she, she will ask about the players. That's why she liked Ben Brown because he seemed like a nice man. She'll ask, oh, do they have? Are they married? Do they have kids? She likes all that, all those stories. Backstory. If I can get her in, so uh, the Marlon, uh, well, what's his name? Richmond player, uh, Marlon Williams. No, Pickett. No, Marlon Pickett. Pickett. That story. She loved that story. Yeah. She was in. She was. This is yeah. great. I, I can't wait to watch this guy play. For, oh yeah, and so uh, I try and get her in by watch, like by telling her, oh, such and such. They just had twins, and it's it's amazing. And then she'll she'll get in and watch it that way. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I yeah. have to create storylines. Like to explain my own uh, fandom to her. I talked about you know my father taking me to the you know a game at Morabin, and it was yeah. a bonding experience. Blah 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 blah. But then I started realizing I've got to give her player narrative. So like with Max King, I'm like, see that guy there? He grew up barracking for the Saints. Yeah. They have like video of him wearing a Saints jumper and now he's living out his boyhood dream. And he almost wasn't drafted because he did his knee. Yeah. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. Oh. Well, maybe she's just humoring me. I'm not sure yet. The, the Magic Door last year, 
that was a big thing. Got her, got her, oh, yeah. easily got her in. And then I even showed her Jason McCartney's game after his first game and last game uh, after the Bali bombing. And she watched that whole, like, it was a whole hour special that I think Fox Footy put it up. And it's, it's great. And, like, she was hooked into that. That was great because she didn't even know that story. I got Gemma was Gemma was being very supportive to a point like I think I was actually getting her interested in the game till about 2007 when no it's 2006 we played Melbourne in an elimination final and I said I'm going to go around to my friend's place to watch it she's like yeah have fun and it was a game where St Kilda came out of the blocks first half on fire Fraser Gehrig was dominating and then injuries took their toll Melbourne overran us. And so I think, you know, we were up by 27 points, lost by like three goals in the end. Yeah. And so I leave my mate's place and I go home and the lights are all out. I'm like, that's weird. And so I go upstairs and Gemma's in bed, you know, sheets over her head. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, they fucking lost. How did they fucking lose? <laughs> I'm like, what? And she said, well, after you left, I got curious and I put it on and they were winning. So I went down to the pub and I got a six pack and I was really into it. But she's gone. But then how did they lose? They all got injured and they got run. And I'm like, oh. Babe, see, this is the thing about sport. It gives and it takes away. The highs are high, but the lows are so low. Uh, she only experienced that one low and then she was out. Never did it again. I, I remember the game. I had that, but in the reverse, it was great. It was, I think, 2014, one of the finals we were against Essendon. And Essendon came out of the bat and just was absolutely fine. And I had just done a show at the comedy store, got off stage. It was like halftime. We were absolutely getting pumped. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. Because I was going to go to the pub somewhere and watch it. I thought, like, fuck it. I'll just go straight back to the hotel and watch it there. And I was staying because I was doing this show in like Parramatta for the ABC. That's where they were filming. So I was staying out there. And that's, a, you know, 20, 30 minute from the store. And as we were driving, I asked the guy, oh, can you put the football on? Because I was checking the scores on my phone. We are coming back. And then I raced from the from the cab straight up, watched the last quarter, and that's the game where Drew Petrie does the kind of the, the anchor man kind of pumping pumping his fists. <laughs> yeah, Frank the it's the Frank the Tank. Frank, Frank the Tank, yeah, not anchor man, yeah. old school, yeah. And it's it, oh, so and me just in a hotel jumping around, just going, oh, there's no one. I'm, I'm too far out. I'm not going to go and party in Parramatta but it was like oh this is one of those great things where I'm like oh this is probably the best way to watch it though I can just enjoy myself and be silly with it that's amazing like I actually got goosebumps with you just saying that because there is something about like obviously being in the crowd that's amazing but there is something about when it's this very very personal intimate moment when it's just you and the tv and you've just been yelling at the tv and you know you're pacing back and forth there's a minute to go you're three points up and you're just like and it's so Hard to explain to people who yeah. don't follow sport or don't even... I mean, AFL itself is such a kind of cultish kind of thing, like who you barrack for with the stories. But like that thrill, that, that you just got my heart pumping yeah. thinking about that. I got excited about footy starting in 60 days so well, I could have one of those moments again. I was laughing that the, the people next to me in the room must have been going, oh, no, it's going to be... This is a party room. We're next to a party room. We're going to be up all night. And like by 10.30, I'm all quiet. It's fine. Done. Yeah. The, game's, the game's finished. So what was the best home and away game you can remember? One that you attended or watched on TV? Um, I think that that was a great one. I think uh, I think it was 93. We beat Hawthorne in like a qualifying final and it was when it went into overtime, which is mm. one of the first overtime games I think there'd been. Like normally it was a draw and they'd go back, but this was like they go into overtime and Hawthorne was always someone that you wanted to beat because there's always so many kids at school who supported Hawthorne. 
And I was like, I cannot wait. And I remember that was like the first, like I was 12 years old when that, and it was like first, like Wayne Carey was being talked about so much and it was like, that was when it was like, oh, I think I've chosen a good team here. <laughs> like we had we had John Lomai kicking lots of goals, but we weren't really winning like in the 91, 92. And then, then it was Carey. It was like, oh, this is, this is fun. Like, oh, wow. And so I think probably the fact that, they started winning at that age made me obsessed for up until 18. And then I went to uni and then it was like no one in my uni course. Cause I was doing theater really cared about football. So I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll just ignore football then for, I guess for three years. <laughs> but one, oh, of things that- one of the most memorable ones, sorry, I'll tell you. So our, our coach, David Noble, I was at his first game. He played for Fitzroy so right. it was Fitzroy and Hawthorne at North, at North Hobart Oval. So it was like a four-hour oh, wow. four hour drive from Burnie and because it, it was like AFL. We hardly ever got any AFL, well, VFL it was then. Didn't get them. Like we got some practice matches occasionally, but this was a proper proper game. So we drove the four and a bit hours down. It was such a shit game. Like, so Hawthorne, <laughs> I think Hawthorne won by like 231. <laughs> Wasn't either of our teams, me and my, no one in our family goes for either team. So we drive down. It was a big drive. So we're, we're going to stay for the whole game. Not even like, and it was like, all right. So we watch the shittiest game of football ever <laughs> and then drive the four and a half hours back yeah. to Bernie. And the whole thing, we're like, we better get McDonald's out. It was because there was only one McDonald's in Tassie at the time. It was in Hobart. And we're like, after the game, we're going to get McDonald's, are we, Dad? He's like, yep, I think we've earned it. We're going to get McDonald's. <laughs> so that's probably the most memorable game I've seen live just because of the eight-hour commute to see the worst game ever. So hopefully David Noble, coaching, has better luck. That's pretty – we only played two senior games, I believe. Yeah. So that's pretty remarkable you saw him play at all. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm fascinated – uh, by the by, the North Melbourne, uh, uh, the culture of North Melbourne, or the or the the aura around North Melbourne is the shinbone spirit. Anyone who listens to Go- Two Guys One Cup knows that I just love bringing out a bit of shinbone spirit. But I think of all the clubs that have their kind of reputations and and their cultures, the shinbone spirit seems most accurate. There yeah. is something about North Melbourne that working class grit that just gets shit done. Yeah, it was really frustrating when Brad Scott really tried to kind of move away from it because it was like, no, that that's our identity. Like, you don't don't try and pretend because I think North Melbourne have suffered a little bit trying to like reinvent themselves when they dropped North Melbourne for a few years to just be the Kangaroos and try and be the national yeah. team. It's like, nah, you're not, you're not going to. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I think Collingwood's got that under wraps. Like, Collingwood are for those who don't really like, all right, I'll go for Collingwood. They're the biggest team. They're our Manchester United. And so when Brad Scott was like, no, we're going to, we're not going to mention like the shin bonus spirit. No, that's just words. We're, we're actually going to, I'm like, nah, sometimes it's, it's especially for the supporters to have an identity that you go, yeah, yeah, we, we will bring you down to our level. I think it's like when you are not one of the major clubs, when you are a, a, a Bulldogs or, or North or Saints or whatever, you have to do anything you can to create, you know, uh, like stories around you or or lean into that identity because we don't have much else. Like you say, like Collingwood and Essendon and Carlton Hawthorne, they will dominate, you know, all the newspapers. So you need to find another angle. And the great thing that I love about footy now is like every football club has a digital department. And so there is footy news 
every day of the week. And I think that clubs are leaning more into their identities now or, the, or whatever the culture is. Yeah. I would love to see North Melbourne fully embrace the shin bones. And I think you kind of almost are because there is a player at your club that Will and I are fascinated by who I think encompasses everything that is North Melbourne past and present, and that is Ben Cunnington. Oh, yes. He's, he is so great when he's on your team. I love him. Like, he's just tough. He always gives 100%. Like, it's, it's, even if he's not playing well, he's going to try, which I, I love. And I think all, like, the players I have loved in the past for North Melbourne have been those players who I'm going to try. Like, I'm not going to give up. Like, I love Daniel Wells, but it was almost like he was at 70% all the time. There'd be flashes of brilliance. And then the rest of the time, he's just kind of sitting on 70%. And it was like, mm. it just, it was frustrating to see because you're like, I know you're really talented. I know you can turn it on. Just do it all the time. Just, just, tr- just try, just try. And so, yeah, when you got split, like I like Zeebel as well was another one is who just, you know, always is yeah. giving it a go. But don't you think they they epitomise North Melbourne in the same way like this is – and people who listen to the show are going to get sick of me saying this, but I always bring up this example of like Matthew Richardson in like the, the 2000s, the 90s and the 2000s was Richmond. Yeah. Like you, when you think of Richmond, what Richmond were, it was, it was that player. And I think that like Ben Cunnington is where you guys are at right now yeah. you know what i mean but he also like he's he's he, he has that kind of grit he has that work the fact that he doesn't like have a log well, he has a, like a nokia 5110 yeah. you know he doesn't have any social media he just likes being on the far- fishing he would rather be fishing yeah. all the time like we scour the internet for any ben, Cun- ben cunnington interviews or pocket profiles or whatever because i just find him such an enigma it's like Wolverine. He's this tiny little strong man who will punch you in the guts, but you know, get, then also gets like his hair done, like gets like plugs. It's yeah. just so much going on. I'm fascinated by him. That is, a, yeah. I saw the ad the other day with him promoting advanced hair. It's like <laughs> it's so weird. So, cause, it's just because Hale also promote like Matthew, not one of the flashiest players at all, and I understand, but like I, I, I don't look. I'm not. I'm not a bald man, so I don't understand the pain. But I always think, surely that's something you do after you, you retire. Like just... Yeah. Like, it's, it's a weird choice to make knowing that you're going to be stepping out in front of thousands of people who yeah. know what you've had done. Yeah. <laughs> like there's 40 cameras on you every week for your playing career. You just can't go one day, oh, no, it just grew back. I just don't understand it. <laughs> I just, yeah. Well, I think he embraced it. I mean, that's the thing that is so fascinating about Ben Cunnington is that, you know, so he doesn't have any social media. He doesn't do a lot of press. He seems like a pretty humble guy, just wants to be left alone. Yet then he takes a deal, yeah. the strangest the strangest endorsement deal. Like, talk about coming out in the weirdest kind of way. Because I'm always thinking, did he just go, you know what, I'm going to do this myself. They saw the name and went, oh, are you the football player? Yeah. Well, we can do this for nothing if you sign on to do some of our ads. And he's probably well, going because no one, right. no one is looking at Ben Cunnington and going, "That's the guy we've got to approach." Yeah. <laughs> like, like of all the AFL footballers that you're like, who do we want to promote our business? Like you know, Gary Ablett, you probably would. Is the first yeah. one off the top of the head? No pun intended. <laughs> the fact that it ended up in Ben Cunnington's lap or on his scalp, more, more specifically, it's just amazing. I just think it's so fantastic. Yeah, very good player though. Uh, so uh, moving into kind of the 2000s, so you're coming out of the 90s. Yep. 
and the Wayne Carey incident happens. Yes. How devastating is that? I heard it on the radio. I I was at uni, so I wasn't buying the paper. It was before the internet. And so I just heard it, a snippet on the radio in the news break of the hour. I was like, I, I, I want to know more. I do want to know more. And so, and this is shocking, but I think it, that story is the Herald Sun's highest selling paper of all time. Wow. Like more than 9-11. More people bought the Herald Sun because they wanted to know about Carey and Stevens. And so I, look, it's, it is shocking, but it's that thing of like, I think the club made all the right decisions going, yeah, you got to go. Stevens stays becomes beloved. I think the club kind of rally around. Glenn Archer takes a, a bigger role in terms of, you know, he was named Shinboner of the Century. And I think mm. pretty much off the back of how he handled that and got everyone behind him and made sure everyone was going forward. And so you hear a story like that from the club and you're like, oh, this is great. And then I think it was only a few, a year later or something like you've got Adam Simpson doing that video about the chicken. I don't know if you remember the chicken. Yeah. 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 Was it Pedro the chicken or yeah, something like something that? Like that. And something. then that, yeah. that was like, oh, all that good work done. Like just done. Like people, yeah. So what do you think was going on at the club at the time? So, you know, you've had your kind of premiership run. Players are getting a little bit older. You're still playing finals or at least yeah, yeah, still, middle, yeah. the middle of the ladder, right? About that time. Yeah. So do you think that this was just a case of, you know, pagans left? You know, there's a bit of directionless. Carey's achieved everything he's going to achieve beyond a premiership. Yeah, I mean, you hear all the stories of Carey being an arsehole or leading up before that as well. But maybe because the shine was off him a bit, like he was on the way down. Mm. Say this happened in 95. Is it, does the club react the same way? Like, is it Stevens who's on the way out? Because they're like, oh, yes. this guy's going to win his premiership. <laughs> yeah. And it is. Well, I, I barrack for a club that had Tony Lockett there for eight years. There you and, go. Yeah. Uh, it's fair to say when you've got a player of that caliber, t- administrations tend to look the other way yeah. most of the time. And so, I think with that one, they couldn't. They, it was so public and yeah. it was so scandalous. And also, they would have had a mutiny. Yeah. I imagine, like all the other players, like there's no way they would play under Wayne Carey or play alongside him. Yeah. So that game against Adelaide uh, the following year when Wayne Carey's uh, playing for the Crows. Yeah. Were you. Tune in, did you tune I, into that? We were excited to see. Absolutely. And it was that thing of like, it was so, it's so weird when you see your favorite player wearing a different top. It's just, it looks wrong because you've grown up one way. And then that moment in that game where I think Glenn Archer kind of scruffed him and I can't remember which one flinched. I don't know if it was Glenn Archer who flinched. No, it was Kerry. Kerry flinched? Kerry. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, I think, I think it was Stevens lays a tackle or a bump and then yeah. uh, Archer comes over and then they have a, a to and fro and then Archer cocks his fist and Kerry flinches and like Channel 7 must have been rubbing their hands yeah. together because they must have had, I mean, they would have had a camera on Kerry the whole night, but they capture it so perfectly. Like yeah. it's like something from the WWE. But that seeing that was like kind of sad. Like at the initial thing was like, yeah, that's great. And then you go, oh, this is... Like not cool. Well, it's it's grown men being 
children. And it's that thing of like, and I was only like 20 at the time. So I was like, oh, but you look back and go, oh, this is, I don't know. Like it's, and. Did, well, at the time though, as the 20 year old Josh, did you want, did you want Archer to knock his block absolutely. off? Or what did you want? No, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I, I, there was that thing. It was like, yeah, this is our team. And it kind of was galvanizing the fact that you go through that diversity and then you kind of go, we, we can do this. And, Here's the enemy, and that's the enemy, and also Adelaide, who beat us in '98 in the grand final. You always yeah, do right. people who beat you in grand finals. You're like, oh yeah, I can't stand that team anymore. And yeah. so, yeah, there was a, a bit of that, but I, I, I don't, I don't remember if I was really like, yeah, punch his lights out, or just, I hope we win. Yeah, yeah, it's weird because I've don't, I've never had the experience of hating a former Saints player, like. Especially not like a champion or a former captain of the club or anything yeah. like that. You're in a fairly unique position where, you know, there's a few scandals in the AFL, which is, you know, like a, which are huge. And this is one of them. So you've gone from having a, a player who really redefined who the Kangaroos were in the 90s. I mean, he was such a good player. Yeah. You know, like, say what you like about Wayne Carey, the man, but it's undeniable his football talent. Like, if you want to, if you go on YouTube and check out his highlights, you're just like, holy shit, like he would dominate today yeah he's so, and he was, an, he was only like 193 centimeters he, but he played like he was so much bigger yeah and it's that thing because where he played center half forward it was like if he played full forward he'd kick 100 goals a year like he's just so strong and mm. and fast and i guess you know nick rewalt is another one who probably you know if he just played in the forward line in that in that era would kick 100 goals as well but i don't mm. know just the fact that you had Someone center half or just the captain there is just a, a great place to be for the captain as well because yeah. you like calling the shots and everyone kind of flocks to you and then people like your your pickets and your Winston Abrahams around them as well can you know yeah crow and kick goals I mean, and a, yeah that's a thing like it's not just his his football prowess but he was a leader like you know he had that kind of Michael Jordan drive for excellence and the actual ability, but it's that cockiness, you know, like yeah. there are sometimes your team will play another team and they'll have a player like that or a buddy Franklin or whatever. And you're just like, I can't be mad. <laughs> yeah. It's like Dusty Martin in the grand final last year. Like just seeing him play. I'm like, if I was a Geelong fan, I would be like, well, it's fine. We lose this one because how the fuck yeah. are you going to stop that? That is a once in a generation player. It's like in, in the NBA when Charles Barkley said, well, I lost, I lost to the best player ever. Like, so you're going to have to accept it. I wish I won, but I didn't. He's the best player ever. But the other thing, like, so there is that a famous story about apparently so a footy, a footy trip. They went to Vegas and Kerry gave long his wallet and said, don't don't give this to me. I'll ask for it. Don't give it to me. And then loses a bunch of cash and tries to fight Longmire for his wallet. And Longmire stands up to him and then I think just goes through and just chucks wallet and says, don't ask me to do anything for you ever ever again. And I, I guess that's like, it's great that Longmire was mad enough to go, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like your minder. Like you can look after yourself. But it must have been, just having someone like that around the club, like, and I know all football clubs have these, like, they're full of alphas, but just have the most alpha of alpha. It must be exhausting after a while as well, especially and I, when they're on the way down as well. And they're not, like, mm. it's all right to be alpha when you are going out and you're the best player on the, on the field. But when you st- kind of start to wane, it must be a very yeah. weird, like, just dynamic around the club. 
Well, I guess it's kind of the balance, right, isn't it? Like if you look at similar type players in similar positions like Steve Kernahan, Dermot Brereton, you know, they're all sort of dominant centre-half forwards. But maybe the balance of the team or the grit of the coach or something was what kept those guys in check because they had egos. Yeah. You know, if they maybe if there had been like the attention at North Melbourne on that team had been more spread, that Wayne wouldn't have felt sort of so bold to kind of behave that way or you know maybe it was other ongoing issues but it's there are there are players who have been as talented or at least you know as strong a leaders as him who have managed to kind of like still contribute to a, a club successfully and yeah not, you know have to a, a exit in disgrace or anything like that yeah so i my one of my favorite pl current players is joel selwood i just like like how he how he leads i mean i i wish he wouldn't drop his shoulder every single time but i think as a like someone, you look at someone. All right, yeah, you 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 are a good leader of young men, and I think the older I get, the more I want someone like that at my club. Go, yeah, I need someone, which is why Cunnington and Zebel, I think, are great for North Melbourne because you know they seem like pretty decent men who are good leaders of other young impressionable men. Well, do you think like a lot of the reason you didn't win many games last year is because Ben Cunnington was out so much? Yeah, I also I just think. Very young. I, I kind of – it's always that you, you want most of your players in that 50 to 100 game window. And I think we were just mm. too young. And also when you um, – I was in two minds about how it would go when people away from their families. So I thought, oh, some young young clubs might do really well because, you know, they don't, might not have young kids at home or it's almost like, oh, we're – we're off at uni. It's almost like we're away from our family and all that kind of stuff. But I, the North Melbourne players just didn't seem to cope at all. Because mm. the first two games of the season before we, they went into lockdown, we won. It was like, oh, call the finals now. We're, we're top of the ladder. We, we haven't <laughs> lost. And then it all just went to absolute shit after that. But, yeah, I, it was always that surprising thing of what teams are going to do well in that kind of like almost campus living yeah. environment. I mean, this is a, sort of like a sidebar, but round one last year, you beat us. That was the, the first team you beat yeah. before the lockdown. And uh, I'm a, I don't know if you know this, Josh, but uh, I'm a St Kilda ambassador. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm on the clock when I'm watching football. It's official ambassador business. Um, but they asked me to record some video content to put on the website, which was just like, you know, reaction, watching round one and the reactions to the game. And we were leading that entire game. I think we we're 30 points up at one stage and then we lose by a kick in the end. And I was, I've never been happier for a pandemic to be declared. <laughs> <laughs> because that video, the shit that was coming out of my mouth, I had a six-month-old daughter at that stage. And my wife is like, calm yeah. the fuck down. You can't talk like that. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I can't believe this club has done it to me again. Yeah. Oh, well, it worked out in the end, didn't it? Yeah, karma got us. We were, yeah, we were done. Just to touch, uh, go back to the Ben Brown thing just for a second. So I would have thought that like a guy who kicks that many goals, you know, over the better part of the last six years, you know, he won the Coleman how many times? Four times or something yeah. like that? Then has like a fairly, you know, for, for reasons that have been discussed and other ones that I'm sure are probably a bit more personal. Was there, do you feel like he was at, exited by the club or yeah. do you feel like it was a mutual thing or what, what's going on? I feel like he was pushed out. I feel like they kind okay. of just set up 
they, it's like some games you just could say they just weren't even looking for him to kick to him. And like he's a big presence. He's a huge dude. And can't miss him. Yeah, and like the fact that it was it had been working for us. He lead out one on one, he's great. But also we've got some great small forwards who can like crumb and stay anyway. But it was and then whether or not like Shaw thought, oh yeah, other clubs had worked him out or whatever it was. It just it was very frustrating to go, oh, this was working, but we're going to try something else. And that other thing didn't work and they never went back to it. And I understand he was injured for a bit and he was having some issues, but it was like, yeah, I, I don't know. It was as a fan of both the club and the player, I was very disheartened by going, oh, I just, I, I don't understand. Normally, like the club says, oh, we're doing this for this reason. And you go, okay, I understand you're playing the, you're playing the young ones. That's fine. But they didn't really give a reason of what what they were doing actually i think you are onto something i'm just listening to you talk and you said something very early in the episode about you don't think the pain is over for north melbourne and i don't know what i'm just listening to you <laughs> watching you talk and i'm and the things you're saying you're making me think oh god he's right like i i, I can sort of see what you're talking about like the club has not they're not done with whatever they're, they're on the path they're doing. Yeah. It's not over yet. Yeah. Well, like there's no quick ba- there's no quick bounce back from this. No, I think hopefully uh, David Noble is great with young players because he's got a lot of them and he mm. can get them up to AFL standard. But all players, it's not like it's the NBA where rookies can come in and really dominate. Like it takes two, three, four years before like young players actually can be competitive all season long. And yeah, I, I just, I worry that we've gone too young. I mean, I, I, you've cut too deep. Yeah. Stevenson's a great pickup as well. So hopefully that's, hopefully he does well and other players can look at that and go, Oh, maybe I can get a fresh start at North Melbourne as well. But yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. This is what you, what, what you want is a Fremantle year. Fremantle, brand new coach, Justin Longmuir, I can't remember how many games they won, but it felt it was around about like five or six. Yeah. But they stood up against good opposition. They had a couple of close losses. You just want that effort and some green shoots. That's what North Melbourne want. Like if North Melbourne only win four games for the year, but they're in it for a lot of it, then that's then that's a win, I reckon. Yeah. You just don't want to finish bottom. No. No, especially no I think North especially it's it's I don't know what next year is going to look like as well financially for the AFL. And you just don't want to be in that mm. situation where, because we are the least supported, like least supported Victorian club, I think. We have the least amount of members. And also just, you just don't want any excuse for them to go, yeah, we're, we're making the league smaller or you, we're yeah. having another whatever make. I mean, it's tiring being a North supporter, always being the club that is brought up in relocation yeah. or merger talks. I mean, uh, talk about uh, what it's like uh, when uh, the the, um, uh, the Queensland yeah. discussion about putting North Melbourne on the Gold Coast. Like, how did you feel about that? So it's always it's, that one. I it was frustrating because you go, oh, well, there's no connection though. There's no connection between those two mm. clubs, and then but Tasmania is the obvious one. Well, yeah, and it's also well, at least Tasmania is close to Melbourne. It's kind of like, mm. although the fact that North Melbourne 
are going south makes no sense to me. That's like, as a marketing thing, that's <laughs> like, all right, you've got to fix that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah. You're 100% correct. The team that is defined by being north yeah. is heading south. Yeah. So maybe that's the connection with the prison. But it is that thing of like when, and it's also people talk about it as if it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, well, North Melbourne can go somewhere. Like you see all the experts mm. like, on the football shows and stuff like that. Like, oh, well, North Melbourne could probably merge or whatever. It's like, no, no, we're, we're a club. We've got good history. We've got a great history of, like, in the league mm. and some great players and coaches and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it is it is tough when people are like, oh, well, it's just, it's just North Melbourne. I always ask this of people on the show. What would happen if North Melbourne, and I don't want this to happen, but if in some future North Melbourne were to fold, do you think that you would continue to follow football? Would you find another team? I would... I would probably, I'd probably support Carlton because my dad supports Carlton, and that would and Mick Martin, the Mick Martin, Mick Martin, Dennis Pagan was one of their great coaches at Carlton, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe only because I've got a lot of like memories of watching Carlton games with my dad, and I could yeah, and they're also at the minute a team that's kind of have been where North Melbourne they, they were struggling and they're kind of on the way up. And mm. I don't know, but I, yeah, I, I always have a soft spot for Carlton just because my dad support Carlton. I mean, I've never really asked this of anyone, but what do you reckon the breakup period is if once a club goes? Like how quickly do you think you, you move on? I would, I'd probably have a season where I'm just floating around. I like just watching oh, games. So sad. I know. <laughs> like, just listening to Amy Mann. Yeah. Just, like really <laughs> just walking alone, trench coat, yeah. clock collar popped. Just uh, throwing rocks in the creek, skewing stones. <laughs> Lighting the team poster on the beach, watching it go up, <laughs> pushing, pushing it out to see. Um, but it, it would be, I, I, I don't know. I think, because I, I still like watching football, so I wouldn't just give, give up on footy. But it wouldn't be the same. Like having a club that you've supported your whole life and then going, nah, I've changed. But yeah. Were you ever close? I think it's in the... Have you ever been close to switching teams? Like during the whole, say, you know, when they lit the the little person on fire? I don't know if... I've never been close. I feel like I'm too far gone now. Like it's it's like St Kilda or family. You know what I mean? Like you've, you've got family members that you don't necessarily want to talk to. Yeah. I think the closest I've been was funnily enough after do you remember when St Kilda and North Melbourne played the Good Friday game like two years in 2018 it was the first time St Kilda and North had been given a Friday night yeah. game in like seven years and it was a public holiday and it was like don't fuck this up guys and I don't know if you remember that game but I was in LA and I stayed up till like 2am to watch it and it was possibly the worst exhibition probably worse than that game you saw in, in Bernie yeah. it was a fucking calamitous and I'd just been like that's when the Saints had first reached out to me to be an ambassador and they wanted me to do a bit more social media stuff and I watched that and was like I don't think I want to follow this club anymore like if that's the shit they're going to dish up after the roadmap to 2018 (laughs) told me that this was the finals year it was so disappointing and I remember I talked to someone who works at the club a few weeks later and I just sort of said look you know because we only won four games that year we had a terrible year that was the start of the end for Richardson and I remember talking to her and said, like, what was, the, what was the moment that you thought this season wasn't going on? And she said, the game against North Melbourne. Yeah. She said, we built ourselves up so much for that. We knew we had a big audience and stuff. And it was just, they just couldn't connect. And the players 
they were shattered. They lost all confidence. I think it's like round two or three of the year. And so that was the closest I've ever been to being like, God damn, fuck this all. Yeah. I don't need any of this shit. I've got enough problems in my life without this. Yeah, it's always that thing when you watch those big games and like it's like the, the games in New Zealand they tried to do and they were always such fizzes. <laughs> and it's like part of you like going, oh, like one, I don't think, I, I know they want to sell it overseas. I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I just think mm. they just focus on making the game great and then that's how you'll get people overseas to watch. I mean, this year was perfect when they had like no other sport in the world pretty much. And then it was like... There was, That's what we need. Like, yeah, then there was like the... the well, I think McCaffrey, is that his name? The guy in like a fo- ex-footballer, like gridiron player yeah, yeah. who was picked yeah, a team and was... Pat. Yeah, yeah. But like it's that kind of stuff that's going to get it. Not just playing an exhibition game or playing a game where there are no fans because part of the joy of the AFL is going to a big stadium full of supporters who are so passionate and at the end of the game can just leave and... Everyone, like, for the most part, you can mix with other people of other clubs and it's fine. And that's part of the joy of what makes I mean, the I, game so great. But there is something kind of, like, cartoonish. I quite like playing games in <laughs> Shanghai and they're talking about playing one in California. It's like, this is a professional sporting code. Yeah. <laughs> Doing this fucking, like, Harlem Globetrotters kind of take-it-round-the-world bullshit. I know. See, I, I mean, the NBA and the NFL have played games in London and stuff like that. And it's, I, right. I guess, but I think they've already got the supporter base there. Whereas China, <laughs> no one cares about the game in China. Like you're not going to, like the Gold Coast Suns of, as well, of all the teams to go there, it's like, oh, this is not going to, like, yeah. Well, since Saints went there last year and half the team got food yeah. poisoning, it was one of the funniest games I have ever, ever seen in my life. Like they were so ill. They were so like unhappy to be out there. And then Jaron Geary, who... Eight weeks earlier, had his like thigh burst open because he got a massive corky. Had it stitched up, like seventy-two stitches. Breaks his leg first game back, and I'm like, "This is perfect. Yeah. Absolutely perfect." <laughs> Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I genuinely mean it when I say, like, I, I I love North Melbourne. I wish I knew more about them. I'm hoping we can know more about them in 2021. What are your predictions, good or bad? I think we will struggle this year. But hopefully the young group come together and by the end of the season we get a f- couple of wins in a row. That would be great. If we can get, like, get a run on like two or three wins, I would say that is a pass mark for what we experienced in 2020. I think that's right. I think that two wins in a row is good. That's what a young team needs. It's just the small little victories. And maybe, and this could happen in, in the two in a row or separately, an upset. Yeah. Like you beat like a, a GWS oh. or a Bulldogs or one of those kind of things. Not yeah. a really good team, not a Richmond. Yeah. Come on, let's let's no. not let's not aim let's not fly too close to the sun. If we if we But one of those bottom ranked top eight teams. If we beat Hawthorne, that that's great. That's a great day. If we beat Hawthorne and Essendon, I'll be that's a great year. Done. <laughs> well, let's make it happen. Josh, thanks so much. We are two guys, one car.